our natural inclination for holiness is is not. <laughs> our natural inclination is to do what we want is self-sufficiency. And so when we when we are on this Christian life of of Christ-likeness and pursuing holiness, we we must understand that it is a pursuit. It is I mean, there's a reason they're called spiritual disciplines, right? I mean, I mean, they're they're not just spiritual actions; they're discipline. Paul told Timothy in First Timothy four seven, "Discipline yourself, train yourself for godliness." And I don't think that was unintentional. That's because these things you have to make yourself do them. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. My name is Mike Neglia, and the voice that you just heard is that of Ben Campbell. Uh, Ben is the pastor of Arbor Grove Free Will Baptist Church in the wonderful state of Arkansas. And the conversation that you are about to hear was actually recorded over Zoom while he was driving along the back roads of rural Arkansas on the way to Little Rock. And so the audio quality isn't the best. So for that reason, uh, we didn't release it as one of our main Tuesday episodes just because of the audio quality. But the content quality is so good that it has to get out somehow. So we're releasing this as kind of a bonus episode in between Tuesdays, something to tide you over until the next episode. I know that you're going to enjoy this. You're going to be challenged. Uh, It might even meddle with you a little bit. And that's a good thing. In this conversation, Ben speaks about growing as a preacher through feedback, both from peers and also from mentors. But the bulk of our conversation and the reason why I wanted to speak to Ben is because he has some good insight on sermon prep as a spiritual discipline that there's a very beneficial aspect to our own Christian growth and soul care that comes as we as preachers come back to the word week after week. The personal study before the public proclamation is a vital means by which if we allow it, it can be a great tool in the hands of our Lord to help us grow in our sanctification and personal holiness. Hope you enjoy this conversation. I I know that I did. I know that you're going to be enriched and you'll be blessed. Uh, I'll catch you next Tuesday for the next episode of the Expositors Collective Podcast. Here's Ben Campbell. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm speaking to Ben Campbell, author of the book Expository Preparation. Uh, Ben, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. This is the first guest that we've ever had in in the Expositors Collective podcast. You're the first guest to be um, in a car during the interview. So you want to explain where where are you? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm in the car. We are on our way to Children's Hospital to get my son uh, fixed up with an insulin pump. He's got type 1 diabetes. So um, they kind of only do it a couple days a month and we're having to, we're having to trek to Little Rock. So, well, thank you for bringing us along on this journey. And, uh, we all want your, your family to know what an important man daddy is. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, um, 
Ben, when was your when was your first um, time ever like teaching the Bible in public? It's kind of a question we like to ask as a way to kind of get to know each each guest. When was your first sermon? First sermon. So first time teaching in public in sermon, actually kind of two different events. Hmm. The first, uh, I, I had done some, some different teachings, uh, maybe like in children's church, I was kind of like a youth leader in the youth group and did a little kind of some children's stuff there. Um, but as far as my first sermon, so I uh, was called by my home church to be youth pastor in the middle of my junior year of college. And I finished my bachelor's degree online. And so my first sermon was in March of 2013. And how did it go? What what did you talk about? Uh, well, I talked uh, about Second Kings and in Second Kings, where there were uh, there were lepers, uh, the lepers, and they had gone outside of the city. And uh, honestly, I try to forget it because it was so bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh. Uh, but I. I I I, uh, I will say this, even among the the badness and the the newness of preaching and, and kind of being in front of people, um, you know, I tried even then to be as faithful, you know, to scripture as I possibly could. And and uh, I, I still believe that the Lord is glorified even when, uh, you know, there are feeble attempts like that. Yeah, that's yeah, he's. He is so kind and and he loves the people in in our congregation so much that he's going to make sure that that they get encouraged um regardless yeah, of our of our feeble attempts and uh all the mistakes that surely you made. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> you made uh, not me but no. um, <laughs> what what um what kind of feedback did you get? Like um were were people receptive? Uh, were they encouraging? Anyone pull you aside and give you some kind of tips afterwards? Uh, yeah, so I had a buddy there who I went to college with, and he had actually moved uh, close to me. And so he came and heard me preach, and I asked him on the way to eat that night. I said, hey, you know, how was it? And he said, I think it was really good. He said, I, you know, for your first sermon, he said, I think it was, you know, was good. But he said one of the things that I would kind of maybe uh, suggest is to have more exegesis. And so it, it seemed as though the sermon was probably a lot more application heavy mm-hmm. and not necessarily centered on the passage of scripture uh, that was there. And so that was really helpful. That kind of helped me, um, you know, as I progressed and, and kind of preached that first year, kind of helped me to think, hey, I, I need to you know, have more Bible content than, than just more how does it relate to me. So. Wow, you got a good buddy. That's that's really good feedback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah, okay. And and so, kind of the, the obvious follow on from that is, well, like that was your your first time. Uh, now I know that you you preach, you know, pretty regularly, week in week out. Um, how have you grown as a preacher since then? And what have been the things that you have, you know, deliberately stopped doing and then added, or or maybe vice versa? Are the things that you used to that you have started doing um, that you did not do back then? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I still do, I will say that is I manuscript my sermons, but uh, one of the things that I've stopped doing, and this, this is kind of different for everybody. Everybody's got opinions on this. If you've read any preaching books, everybody's got opinions on like where to put your application, all this kind of stuff. 
I sort of I sort of leave my application for the end of it. Um, I might have have an illustration in between or maybe some type of relating hypothetical situation or something like that, um, in, you know, throughout my exegesis. But for the most part, um, what I've kind of stopped doing is putting an application like in the middle of the exegesis. Um, for me, the way I think and the way I write and the way I analyze thoughts, it's hard for me to uh, kind of go from the exegesis to the application back to the exegesis to the application back to, and kind of back and forth. Um, I'm just, I'm not really wired that way. Mm. And so, um, so I try to um, kind of just put forth all my effort into the exegesis and then I conclude a message um, and then I kind of have a, a, I call it a plea to response. Um, so I don't necessarily call it application, but I, I want people to respond. Um, so yeah, it's pr- different, something different from what I did, you know, nearly 10 years ago was, um, and this is something I learned. I was able to be a part of Jared Wilson's uh, preaching cohort, Jared C. Wilson. Ah, um, I got something to say. Go ahead. I interviewed Jared C. Wilson and it was, I think one of the best interviews that ever happened. And afterwards it was, it was in person. And then afterwards the person that was like manning the, the computer, he said, Oh no, I forgot to hit record. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So he and I had the most like wonderful connection that ever existed. And it's only between the two of us. (laughs) You'll never be able to hear it, nor will anyone else. Yeah. The world will, the world will never hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm kind of embarrassed even to like try to like ask for another one. But um, anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, uh, that's very relevant. <laughs> no, that's cool. He, he's a, he's a cool guy and he, he's really approachable and stuff. So, uh, and he's, I, I've never met like, I mean, he's a well-known author, you know, and uh, to be able to zoom call with him and about 20 other guys was just really cool. Um, talking about preaching, but one of the things, so he actually did a preaching review in that. So I sent him a sermon of mine and he did a preaching review and I was just really shocked at how with as much, you know, uh, fame, if you want to call it as, as Jared has, he's written 20 something books and as well known as he is, he straight up wrote in my review that there was no gospel in my sermon. And, uh, and, and he, which was, which was, uh, kind of a kick to the shin, you know? Yeah. Um, and so now, I mean, that was just, uh, you know, last year. And so, you know, of course, everybody knows we want to, we want to run to Jesus. We want to, you know, be, um, you know, be devoted to the Lord and we want to obey his word. But if, if the cross and the crucifixion and the resurrection and our justification aren't central, um, then we have we really preached a Christian sermon? And Jared, of course, is kind of the 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 captain of the gospel centrality ship. And uh, so he uh, he kind of said, you know, I didn't hear words like cross, death, substitution. Uh, and so now that's one of the focuses I'm trying to do is make sure that I have those intentional words in there. Wow, 
Wow, that's that faithful are the wounds of a friend, um, and that's a very it's a very friendly thing for him to uh, to have said to you. And again, you know, I I grimaced, you know, and um, yet, yeah, that's a it's a you're you're wounded um, so that you can yeah be corrected and then dispense you know the wonderful good news more and more. Now, certainly, do you feel that like you're like ah. Oh, you know, it was just that one bad week. Uh, I'm sure if you listen to other ones that they would find more kind of references to the gospel or to the cross of Christ. I would like to hope so. I kind yeah. of felt, I mean, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, like it really like took me back. I mean, I kind of lost my breath. I was like, man, have I been preaching this whole time and not preaching the gospel? You know, I've been preaching the Bible, but not actually articulating the gospel. And that was just so key to me. So. But uh, I, I would like to think so, but but uh, regardless, now now like it's an intentional port, portion of my sermon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you think, like like think of like a like doing like a core sample of something. You know, um, you, right. you can drill you drill into it any any way, and then you pull out that same kind of essence or that core. Um, so yeah, may the gospel be core, so that any random Sunday, if we were to be audited by Jared Wilson, <laughs> that he. <laughs> that yeah there's gospel in there yes okay so we're talking that's that's that is great and what a you know for us at the expositors collective with our training events and then with this weekly podcast we really just want to encourage like not just preaching in general but but christ central christ centered like gospel oriented um sermons so thanks for your honesty on that ben and um yeah may every listener just think like wow what if what if my most recent sermon was analyzed? Would it pass the the gospel test? Would it pass, you know, it, maybe you've heard the phrase, the, the synagogue test, you know? Um, could it have been preached in a synagogue and would it have caused offense or, or not? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm happy to talk about the, the preaching act or the, the delivery that we've just kind of been talking about. But, but largely, Ben, what I want to talk to you about is, is the other end of this, you know, the, the preparation that goes into it. Um, so you've, you've written specifically on the, the preparation process. I'd like to, to maybe hear about that. Like a big emphasis on your writing is about like soul care as kind of a, a role in sermon preparation or even how preparation can be a way of nourishing our own souls or our hearts. So uh, could you tell us about your book and the, the things that are in it? Sure. Uh, so the, the story about how the book came about is really kind of underwhelming. <laughs> um, the, the way the book came about was it was my master's thesis for my master of arts program at Welch College. Um, and so if you know anybody that's done academic training, they want you to write on something that is either um, kind of lacking in resources or something that is very, they want you to be as narrow, narrow, narrow as you possibly can. Mm. And, uh, and so as I, I, I really enjoy reading preaching books and obviously, you know, being a pastor, I love preaching, but I noticed that there was uh, hardly anything written about kind of the soul care of the pastor, kind of as, you know, it's kind of the subtitle of the book, preparing yourself to preach. So, um, so I, I went in and outlined it with my advisor and, uh, and, you know, wrote it and did some editing for the book, but kind of answering the question, how does the spiritual disciplines apply to the pastor 
as he prepares his own soul to preach. Yeah. And um, so of these, when you say spiritual disciplines, um, what, what does that mean? Some people might use that, might be familiar with that terminology. Some people might not. What What's a spiritual discipline? So <clears throat> great little book. Donald, it's not really a little book, <laughs> uh, but Donald Whitney's uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. A very, very helpful book on that topic. Probably one of the best books ever written. Um, just period. If you want a book on holiness, that's probably a, a, a good book to go to. Um, but you think of things like Bible intake, prayer, meditation, um, um, evangelism, service, different things. Um, he even adds journaling. And I, I don't know that I would go that far in journaling, but uh, but he even adds that worship as a spiritual discipline. Um, but basically, it is the things that um, that we do in our lives that we discipline ourselves for um, to grow in godliness and in holiness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah, for making sure that what maybe we assume people know, thank you for unpacking that, uh, for us. Uh, you, you write in your book, um, that there's the importance on pursuing holiness and to quote you, you say the pastor's discipleship should be his soul's foremost priority. Otherwise preaching should not be an option for him. So, uh, you seem to be saying that the, the, as Spurgeon calls it, the minister's self-watch, um, like looking after yes. our own heart, looking after our own soul, um, needs to be priority. And if that's not, you said that person essentially shouldn't be preaching. Now, what if someone's listening to this right now, Ben, and is, is thinking like, oh, you know, woe is me. I'm, that's not me. I, I haven't been, I don't have regular Bible intake apart from sermon prep, you know, I'm, I'm not engaged in these things. I haven't fasted in years, you know, um, what should they do? Like, should they resign? Um, should, what, what's, what's the thing if there's kind of an awareness of like, this is actually pretty absent in my, in my life. Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, this might sound a little bit counterintuitive. But I don't think it's exactly like them while um, we're like, okay, well, I have done this in so many days, so I must have, I must need to resign my church. Yeah. Um, but what I think the, the the priority is, again, is holiness and godliness and discipleship. Um, if I love Mark Dever's definition of discipleship, he basically just says that your discipleship is your own following of Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's really cool. And he says discipling is you influencing others to follow Jesus. Our natural inclination for holiness is is not <laughs> our natural inclination is to do what we want is self sufficiency, and so when we when we are on this Christian life of of Christ likeness and pursuing holiness, we we must understand that it is a pursuit. It is. I mean, there's a reason they're called spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, they're they're not just spiritual actions. They're discipline. Paul told Timothy in First Timothy. Four seven, discipline yourself, train yourself for godliness. Um, and I don't think that was unintentional. That's because these things you have to make yourself do them. Um, but if if a pastor, I would say that that the Lord is gracious and kind in that respect. That sometimes we do just go through seasons of spiritual drought, and it might be good to reach out to some a trusted friend or a counselor or somebody like that, you know, and just kind of get some get some help. 
to, to get back on track, get your, get your relationship with the Lord back on track, or maybe a fellow pastor or something. But uh, if, if, if you're getting into the, the ministry and the pastorate for, you know, just for the preaching aspect of it, for getting up in front of people or, or, you know, for the, 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 the fame or the, the speaking aspect, you know, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons that the pastor ought to first and foremost be the shepherd and the example that the congregation can follow. That's what we are. We're examples. That's what Paul told Timothy. He said that to preach the word, be in season and out of season. But he says, don't let anybody despise your youth, but set an example for those in love and faith and conduct and purity. Hmm. And in a strange way, the example that we're to be setting is not really what we do behind the pulpit for those X amount of minutes per week. The example is, yeah, the faith and the love and the purity, all those things are kind of invisible and they're not really displayed during our sermon preaching. It's it's the kind of the private behind the scenes stuff that is described there as like exemplary. And, uh, you know, this this podcast is about preaching. You know, the kind of list, people who listen to this are the kind of people who like want to improve in preaching. Um, but I think it's very valuable to consider the the behind the scenes and the type of character and like what kind of um, the kind of person that you are um, matters a whole lot that influences the kind of preacher that we are. And then also too, it's possible to be a good preacher, but then have a, a horrible behind the scenes life. And uh, yeah, let's, let's aim for both. Yeah. I just saw a tweet. Uh, I forget who it was, but I saw a tweet that said in your first year, it might've been Jared Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Jared. He said, yeah, yeah. We just, this is, I might as well brought him on here. Uh, we tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to record it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it said, um, in your first year, people will listen to you because you're preaching the word. But he said, over time, if you're not with your people, they won't listen to you, even, no matter how many preachers you are. Yeah, I tell you, my my biggest fans in my church, if I could use that word, um, and and the people that I visited in the hospital, like the 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 overlap is massive. You know, essentially, uh, turns out a hospital visit is worth about ten thousand good sermons. You know, and, absolutely. And again, when I talk about fan, I'm I'm joking about that. Obviously, it's not about fans, um, but the people that have appreciated the ministry. Um, it's a lot of it has to do with spending time with them and grief or loss or pain, uh, being a faithful presence more than being, um, a faithful expositor. Now that's important. Both are important, but yet, yeah, you're right. It's those, I really, I'm trying to dig myself out of the hole by calling them fans, but I think you know what I mean, right? <laughs> supporters, supporters. Yes. Yes. Faith. Yes. <laughs> supporters. Um, you know, now I, I really appreciated chapter six of your book where you talk about like sermon preparation is an act of worship. Um, now, oftentimes, you know, we might think of worship as like it, it, on a Sunday morning structure or an order of service or a liturgy. You know, it's like we often have the the worship time before the preaching time. But I, I think you you might even say that like worship precedes sermon in that our preparation can be worshipful as we are even writing our notes out 
before the preaching of the sermon. Um, what do you mean by like, how, how can our sermon prep be worshipful? Well, there's a lot into here. That's a, kind of a loaded question in one sense. It's kind of funny, but uh, as I was researching this, I came across a resource and I, I, I'm going to blank on it, but it actually mentioned that one of the Jewish uh, kind of traditional study laws actually they believed that an hour of study of the word counted like an, as an hour of prayer. Wow. Um, and, and, and I thought that was really interesting. I think that's really telling of, of sermon preparation too. If, if you think about it, I mean, we're studying the alive and living word of God and we are interacting with it. That's when God speaks to us um, and he speaks to us through his word. And when we open our Bibles and allow him and kind of get into the presence of the author, um, that's when worship commences. You know, uh, it's not as if worship uh, is just certain events through life. And we all know that. Right. But, um, sure, of course. but you know, we, we, we teach our people to, to live faithful Christian lives at work and at home and, and while they're playing sports and when they're at the park and uh, when they're gathering with friends and family and on vacation, all these things, because worship is a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, a, a certain Sunday service or whatever. Um, and so why would we not say that the pastor during the week, as he is studying to prepare a sermon is not, is not worship as well. Um, but more importantly, what we're doing is, again, we are in the presence of the living God as we study, and we want to make his truth known. We're not, we, we prepare, the pastor ought to prepare his heart to preach in that, those moments of studying, um, and, and then allow the spirit to chisel away at his, at his figure um and kind of the as the psalmist says search me O god and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting um that's sort of the pastor's way of of sort of applying the sermon to himself before he preaches it because you know when you're in the act of preaching and you know this you're a preacher you know you there's a million things going through your head and uh and uh, it doesn't mean that the lord can't can't work on you while you're preaching, but yeah, but it, it, it is uh it's it's vital to have that that text permeating through your mind and and internalizing it. Yeah. I've had some yeah, some like remarkable moments of of worship while preparing sermons. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I've maybe resonated with with chapter six so much. Um but I, I remember being in my office um, you know, reading a William O'Brien commentary on Hebrews. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I've been like yeah. thinking of the verses, you know, I, I had kind of a short section of scripture that week and trying really hard to actually do this whole meditation thing that everyone talks about, you know, of like really like mulling over the passage throughout the <laughs> yeah. days leading up to it. And then even like speaking it out loud and thinking about it, you know, and then after like, just like thinking about it so long and so hard, and then 
looking to this academic commentary and and just being just like overwhelmed by like the goodness of God. And um, and again, and I've I've read that commentary every week, you know, um, leading up to that. It never happened before. I think part of it is that like I was so like uh, soaking into the passage and the word had gone like so deep into me that then having someone kind of like point out one or two things there was just like, whoa, that's great. Oh, wow. God, you're good. Um, yes. And, and, I, and I love that. It was a, a wonderful thing. I, I kind of want to chase that feeling, you know, and that was maybe where like I was overcome by an, an awareness of the, the goodness and the grace of God um, highlighted through that passage. Um, and so that sometimes kind of happens to you. And also it could be something too that we like put work into and decide to do that, to, to, to read something and think, Lord, I choose to praise you because of this, or I, I want to give you thanks because of what I've just read or discovered or uncovered here. Mm-hmm. So it could be, we could be the apti- active participants or the kind of passive recipients of kind of this awareness of the goodness of God. Yeah. And, and, and you notice too, like, again, we, we want, we implore our people to worship the Lord in their work ethic and how they work and uh, all of those things. And it would be, it'd be foolish for us. It'd be foolish for us to think that, that, that we are not worshiping the Lord while we work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's, yeah, that's, you're totally right. You're totally right. We're meddling now. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we say in Northeast Arkansas. (laughs) Yes. I've never heard anybody not from the South accuse anyone of meddling. (laughs) It's it's a real Southern thing, isn't it? I think so. Probably so. Um, (laughs) Well, okay. Well, maybe like a final, a final question for you is like, so like, Ben, how are you trying to grow as a preacher even, even now? Like you've written a book on sermon prep, but like, sounds like you don't think that you've arrived yet. Is there a certain area where you're trying to grow in, in 2022? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, these, the book, that, that's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to write a book like this um, because like I haven't arrived at any of these. I mean, I, there's, there's just times when, you know, I, 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 I'm good at, at intaking the scriptures and prayer, but I'm, I'm lacking meditation or I'm lacking the discipline to share my faith. There's times, man, there's weeks where I have, uh, I haven't prepared like I should. And I'm, I'm spending Saturday night, you know, finishing a sermon um, and I'm and kind of cramming in one way or another. So, I mean, and, and sometimes that's because of the nature of ministry. Um, sometimes that's because of the nature of my depravity hmm. and, <laughs> and my laziness. Um, but, you know, as far as, so I, I really tried to have a, a pretty good structure um, for, for my weeks, of course, that can kind of be uprooted at any time, but, um, as, so I try to, I try to have, I try to have that done, sermon done at least by Friday. Um, that's sort of one of the goals that I've been trying to work, especially now that my kids are starting to get of age. Um, but, uh, 
as far as actually in my preaching, one of the things that I'm really, again, trying to grow in is the idea of um, like, like Jared pushing that toward me to, to have the gospel present in all my sermons. Um, and also to make it, I'm really trying to also grow in how my sermon flows. Okay. So trying to not, trying to not have it real choppy. Uh, right. Just trying to, trying to, trying to make it make sense to people who are listening. I think that's a big hindrance when, especially like for me, like I just, I just finished a master of divinity degree. So I, I read a lot of academic books, you know, and, and I'm kind of very academic just the way I speak and think because that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. And um, so trying, trying to make that translate into a blue collar church, which is what I pastor um, and, and just kind of everyday ordinary language is, is really kind of the main things that I'm trying to work on. Wow. Yeah. Such, such noble goals. Kind of like what I'm hearing you to highlight what I'm hearing is you want the, the receptivity to, to increase or to do what you can on your end that it's the easiest for the people whom you serve to receive it and be transformed by it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, I want, again, I want to be a faithful expositor of the word and I am firmly convinced that part of being a faithful expositor is being able to take a text of scripture, interpret it and present it in an understandable way so that it, the, those under our preaching can hear it and be transformed by it because the gospel is transformative. Yeah. 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 The one thing the gospel doesn't do is leave you alone, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and it changes, it changes the, the recipient, you know, either, either hardening or softening or, or warning, but there's a, there's an action that takes place. You, you get gospeled, you know? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or to, to use your phrase, it, it meddles with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm originally from Southern California. So hopefully I can count as an honorary member of the South. Uh, oh, from sure. Well, we take anybody in. I live in, I, I, I live in the South of Ireland right now too. So who knows? All right. Well, yeah, Ben, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of this drive to Little Rock to uh, talk with me and the audience of the Expositors Collective. Um, we're going to have, of course, like a link in the show notes um, to the um, expository preparation book um, that you've put out. Um, yeah. Any final words of encouragement to the listeners to the show? Yeah, no, it's been great to be with you. And uh, if I had just one word of encouragement for everybody, I think I I would just encourage all of the pastors and preachers um, that it doesn't matter, um, you know, how many failures you have or, you know, how many, like we're not, God's not keeping score. He wants you to be holy because he is holy, but uh, he does, however, um, want you to rest in your justification that is in Christ. And you're not justified by how many times you have uh, read your Bible this week or how many times you've prayed in the last few days. You are justified uh, because of the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary um, in your place. And he can, uh, you can lay your head on your pillow at night being seen as uh, faithful and righteous because of the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's good news. 
Thank you for that encouragement. And so, uh, you know, I hope that uh, that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Uh, thanks again, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Noah Beamer, one of the pastors here at Calvary Boise. Uh, I want to invite you to come out to the next Expositors Collective training event that we are going to be hosting on October 14th and 15th. I got to attend one of these last fall in Colorado Springs, and I thought, man, I'd really like to see this happen in Idaho. And now here we are, and I get to invite you to it. The training event goes from Friday to Saturday. It's an interactive learning experience with teachings from the front, panel discussions, and lots to take part in with group work and coaching with great concrete tips to help you grow in your understanding and personal study and sharing of God's word. So Boise, Idaho is absolutely gorgeous in the fall with lots to do and plenty to explore outdoors. So I really hope you can come join us this October for the next Expositors Collective. Thank you.